Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to The World in 10. It's a 10-minute look at some of the stories making today's Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. On today's podcast, the shocking news about the sudden death of Friends star Matthew Perry at the age of 54. Also, we'll bring you the latest update on the Israel-Hamas conflict and why young people in Germany appear to have a better grasp of English than their own language. Sometimes you wake up to a story that really shocks. This morning was one of those days. It is 6.24. You're waking up this morning to the very sad news that the actor Matthew Perry has died aged 54. His body was found in a hot tub at his home in Los Angeles. He was best known for playing Joker Chandler Bing in the 90s hit sitcom Friends. But behind the huge success and the witty side cracks was a man struggling with addiction. Here he is watching a clip of himself during interviews for his memoir. I know that hat. I was taken aboard that hat. They did experiments on me. I can't have children. Uh, it's very hard to watch that. Because in this weird way, I feel, I feel sorry for that guy. Because that's a guy that's out of control. He's going through too much... And it's me. Sam Rubin is an entertainment reporter for KTLA Morning News in Los Angeles. I I think there's two Matthew Perrys. I think there's the Matthew Perry that the world knows as Chandler Bing, my favorite friend. I think many people's favorites from friend, you know, hilarious and, and naturally gifted and naturally talented. And it's very rare that you have the meshing of the actor finding the perfect part and excelling in it for a protracted period of time. 236 episodes of Friends, 10 seasons, remarkable, remarkable work. That's that's the Matthew Perry we all know worldwide. The Matthew Perry that was rumored, but I don't think any of us ever understood the depths of this ongoing and horrific battle with addiction, both alcohol and prescription drugs. He detailed in his book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And if you read the book, as I have, the big terrible thing is bigger and more terrible than you can 
possibly imagine. And here's how the news has been met in L.A. Uh, he was actually one of my favorite characters. You know, his sense of humor was super dry, and I grew up watching it with my family, so it's really sad that he's gone. That's a really sad passing, you know, really sudden, um, and a lot of people are feeling it right now. So that's really sad to hear. I was a fan of the show. I grew up with the show, and it was really symbolic of the times and iconic of the times. I don't think we have TV shows like that anymore, that kind of lighthearted, fun comedy. And the Times of London carries a full obituary to Matthew Perry, who has died at the age of 54. As always, the Times of London has ongoing coverage of the situation in Gaza. Yesterday on The World in 10, we told you how Israel had warned Palestinians to head south before tanks rolled across the border. Communications were also cut to the territory. We hear today that Gaza's residents have started coming back online and Israel says its fighter jets have struck 450 Hamas targets in 24 hours. The Times Middle East correspondent Louise Callahan, who's based in Tel Aviv, has given us this update. I was just speaking to some colleagues in, in Ashkelon who are right next to the border of Gaza this morning and they said that the bombardment appears to be continuing. Um, I, I was standing next to some uh, Israeli artillery yesterday that was firing every few seconds and it seems like that kind of went on. So that has that's continued overnight and is still continuing today. Um, so Israel has dropped leaflets again, it has, as it has done many times before, telling residents in Gaza City to flee south. But unfortunately, it's also not f- safe in the south. Once they get there, Israel has also hit the south. They have continued to bomb it. So for people in Gaza, there is nowhere to go. There is nowhere safe to go. And Louise is constantly updating our live pages. Take out a time subscription to keep across this developing story. In past episodes of The World in 10, we've covered the chaotic events in El Salvador, from the draconian crackdown on gang violence by President Bukele to the introduction of Bitcoin as legal tender. And in today's Sunday Times magazine, Matthew Campbell has visited the country and written an in-depth piece on what life is like now in the South American country. His article begins with a visit to El Zonte, otherwise known as Bitcoin Beach, the only place in the country where Bitcoin is consistently used, despite the fact it's been legal tender since 2021. It hasn't really uh, attracted as much uptake as the government had hoped. And it's really only used consistently in this one area. And even there, people are kind of using it less than they were at the very beginning. What is happening is that a lot of foreign tourists who are also what are described often as techno-libertarians, people with an interest in Bitcoin, go to El Sante as, as one of the only places on earth where you can actually buy physical stuff with Bitcoin to try it out. And a lot of them end up settling there. And so there are lots of foreign residents. But the wider population in El Salvador, I have to say, is showing very little enthusiasm for the idea. Despite that, and only being 42, the president is still incredibly popular, put down in large part to his zero-tolerance approach to gang violence. He declared a state of emergency over the summer, and as a result, more than 70,000 people, mostly men, were arrested. Entire towns were cordoned off by the army. I went to one town, which for years had been divided between these two different street gangs. 
after Bukele's state of emergency, the army came in, arrested lots of people, and now, at last, the town is peaceful again. And when I went there, they were playing a football match, and there were kids from you know the, these rival districts who are now happily playing football together. But peace also comes at a high cost to the families of those arrested, but who profess to be innocent, as Matthew explains. Human rights workers, though, are bravely denouncing the abuses. Uh, one in particular I spoke to uh, said that, that 70% of people who'd been arrested, as an estimate, weren't in fact involved in crimes. And what happens, she said, is that people are using are using this as a way of settling scores, in a sense, because there's a government hotline that you can call in order to denounce neighbours or people you know who are suspected of involvement in gangs. We can only scratch the surface of Matthew's piece here on the podcast, so I highly recommend taking out a Time subscription so you can read his article in full. To Germany now, where a strange trend is taking place. Young people are scoring better in English than their own language. A recent report shows that children's grasp of the German language is the shakiest it's been since records began. My colleague Amy Gill's been reading about this. Amy, what's driving it? Well, actually, there's not really a definitive answer, but in a piece in The Times, Berlin correspondent Oliver Moody suggests that it's possibly down to streaming services like Netflix and other global social media platforms like TikTok. In his piece, Oliver quotes a report by the Institute for Quality Development and Education, which suggests that these platforms have enabled teenagers to engage in, quote, extracurricular learning opportunities, particularly during the pandemic, as Oliver explained to me. We have seen a huge increase in the use of um, YouTube and TikTok and Instagram among German young people. And um, it's not a huge kind of leap of imagination to speculate that a lot of the content that they're encountering on these platforms will be in English rather than in German. So they're, they're more saturated with English than, than any generation of Germans that's come before them. Another interesting point the report shows is that this decline in German language learning is actually across the board, meaning that it's irrespective of socio-economic or ethnic background. But whilst interest in learning the German language has decreased, interest in English has actually increased. Again, possibly due to things like Netflix and TikTok. 45% of teenagers say they are highly interested in learning the language, compared to just 18% for German. The question now is, is what does this mean for the German language? Well, I put this to Oliver. It may well be that we start to see a lot more loan words bleed through from English into German. It may even be that Germany's notoriously complex grammar starts to get a bit simplified over the coming decades as a result of this. To read more on the report, head to the Times website and check out Oliver's piece. And before I go, I promised an update on the Rugby World Cup. At the final whistle, it ended South Africa 12, New Zealand 11. And for a full breakdown of that game, head now to the Times Online. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow. <laughs> 